0: have your Bibles this morning, I would invite you to once again open the Word of God to the book of Exodus, chapter 7, Exodus chapter 7, and we are going to take for our text this morning verses 1 through 12, and probably to no surprise, the title of the message will be, The Power of of the truth, the power of the truth. Exodus is a journey of redemption. And here in chapter 7, we begin the second great literary division of the book. Chapters 1 through 6 really develop the background and the story and the biography of the person that God would use to be the deliverer of His people. And of course, we know Him as Moses. And what an incredible biographical sketch that we had. This young boy, this young baby, who at the very beginning of his life had to be just put into a little ark into the Nile and God directed him providentially to wind up right in the place where the princess of Egypt was bathing and the scripture says that she drew him up and that's why she named him Moses remember because it said I drew him up and God gave her a love for him and then you know he was raised and would be given all the necessary skills and knowledge that he would need to be the leader of a great nation. Now, they meant him to be the leader of Egypt. But God meant, hallelujah, for him to be the leader of his people. Hallelujah for the providence and the power of God. And then we saw how that Moses had to mature 40 years He grew up believing he was somebody. But then he spent 40 years in Midian learning what? He was a nobody. And then at 80 years old, God would send him back and use the last third of his life, 40 more years, seeing what God could do with somebody who learned that they were nobody but that God is everything. And it is amazing what he did through Moses. But whereas chapters 1 through 6 were about the person that God would use in their redemption, now going forward, 7 forward, we see the very work of redemption itself. And I think that that's very awesome how that parallels even the Gospels. First, in the Gospels, we learn about Jesus, about his genealogy, about his youth, and then uh, throughout uh, uh, his life, the type of person that he was. And then we see it develop into the very work of redemption that he had come to accomplish. So we see these beautiful parallels. And here, I one of the things that to me is, is highlighted and is so strong is at the very end in verse 12, where it says, But Aaron's rod swallowed up the rods of uh, the Egyptian sorcerers and magicians. And so I, I believe that this really speaks to the heart of the power of the truth of God and how that God's truth always prevails. Are you happy to know today that our God is a God of truth? Without iniquity, just and right is He. And that the Bible tells us that His truth will endure to what? To all generations. Praise the Lord for that. Now, uh, this isn't one of our main points, but I want you to write this down about the truth. There are usually three stages that the truth goes through in history and in our lives. And I want you to think about this in your own life. And also about the truth of salvation, especially the doctrines of grace that we love and and appreciate so much and, and preach unashamedly here in this place. The three stages of the truth, it usually goes like this. First, it is loudly ridiculed. It is loudly ridiculed. That's the way that the truth always is first approached by man the truth firstly is loudly ridiculed secondly it is usually violently opposed secondly it is usually violently opposed and then hallelujah thirdly is it it is accepted as self-evident and that is usually always the three stages of truth in the world and in our lives and we've seen this even in the story of the exodus they ridicule moses and aaron they violently oppose moses and aaron but then we're going to see uh at the end uh pharaoh's going to say you know what jehovah is the true god and i want y'all to leave leave uh with my blessing and with all the treasures of egypt just like god said and so we rejoice in the power of the truth. I'll never forget in my sojourn at Blue Mountain College when I first came there as a freshman and my freshman class, there was a young man there, and I've asked him many times if if it's okay to share this story, and he said, Share it as many times as you want, Brother Nathan. His name was Jason Elder, was a young man. He he was raised in and uh was born in New Albany. And uh, he had just begun his ministry. He was a very popular, a very liked minister among all the ministers at, at the college. Well, when he, when he found out that I uh, believed the doctrines of grace, he kind of made it his personal mission to make fun of me, which uh, y'all know I, I'm a kidder and I would, he would kid me and I would kid him back. Uh, when we even when we were playing basketball in the ministerial alliance in our basketball games, if I made a shot, he would say, Well I guess that was predestined by God that you would make that shot, huh? Brother Nathan did and I said, I guess so it went in, you know. But uh it was amazing and and uh to see him uh in that condition and so that was the, it was that way through our freshman year our sophomore year, and then our junior year, uh, that's when I met. I kind of met Mike Dury, and Mike Dury, uh, you know, he came to Pine Hill, and uh, even became a minister uh, for us there. And I started to get great opposition against uh, kind of my presence and 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 the truth that we were trying to proclaim. Well, coming back off summer break. Uh, our senior year, when we showed up to campus, I saw Jason Elder across the campus, and he made a beeline, almost running, uh, to find me. And he said, "I've got to talk to you." I said, "No problem." I said, "Let's let's go." We went into the Baptist Student Union. We sat down in some chairs. He said, "I want to tell you." He said, "I want to tell you first that I'm so sorry." For every time that, that I ever made fun of, of what you believed. He said, whether it was right or wrong, whether you're right or wrong, I, I shouldn't have been that way. That's not a godly way to be. He said, but I want you to know this summer, just on my own, by myself, with my Bible, God has revealed to me the truth of sovereign grace, of His election, of man's depravity, of His definite redemption, of His irresistible grace. And of the pers- uh, preservation and perseverance of his saints, and and I didn't I didn't almost I didn't almost even know how to react. I just hugged him, and I said, "Well, we'll praise the Lord." And and he has been a faithful uh, a speaker. He is among the Reformed uh, Baptists and is is an effective, able minister among them. But it was just amazing. That's just a case in point of of what I'm trying to say about the truth. And it's not just the truth about sovereign grace or things like that. It is it's basically all truth uh is is this way and there's and I just want you to know, beloved, those of you that believe the truth, though sometimes you feel to be ridiculed, sometimes though you feel to be opposed. That's the way it is with the truth. And you have to be willing to buy the truth and sell it not and to stand and with with truth and with God in truth and eventually. Beloved, the truth and the power of the truth, it will prevail, and so shall we. So rejoice in that. Rejoice with Aaron and Moses here. It's amazing in this passage. Remember, we Moses uh, didn't want to be God's instrument. Moses uh, said, I'm not eloquent. He made all of these excuses. Well, I want you to know from chapter 7 on, that all ends in... Moses's life because apparently the truth had finally permeated uh, into his soul into his conscience into his his heart and it just didn't just become a message that he received from God uh, that he was supposed to tell other people but a message that he believed himself heart and soul and life and beloved that's the power of the truth the truth does something uh, to us and so uh, just um, if, you, if you are trying to live truth, if you're trying to share truth, if you're trying to stand for truth in your life, just don't get discouraged, don't get uh, disappointed, but just uh, keep being faithful and, and saturating your mind and heart with it and keep sharing it because in the end, beloved, if it is the truth, it will prevail this, this story about the battle of the snakes is really um, touching to me uh, personally, too, in, in my life. All of you in here know the, the things that we went through at our last uh, teaching job. And the day before, the night before, um, we were going to have the hearings. That was going to, going to, you know, either clear me or keep my name under a a, a cloud. Um, C.H. Spurgeon wrote a devotion on Exodus seven twelve, and he said Aaron's rod swallowed up the other rods, and that was my hope that when we went to, I knew I was innocent. Uh, Brother Andy was one of my rods that went with me. (laughs) Brother Jeff was one of my rods that went with me. Sister Regina was one of my rods that went with me. Sister Tammy took off work and went to be one of my rods of truth. And what I hoped and prayed is that when all the rods were laid down, that our rod and the rod of truth would swallow up the rods of all those liars. And beloved, I saw throughout that day God do that in a mighty way that I give Him all praise and glory for that I can't understand or know, but He showed me the power of the truth that day and how His rod will swallow up the counterfeit and the lying rods. And I believe God is doing that uh, in a special way in some ways that some of y'all don't even know about even right now that to me are, are very miraculous, and, and I praise God for that. It hasn't been without pain, without, without suffering, but I believe the power of the truth is, is going to prevail even in the situation that I'm, that I'm talking about. Well, enough of introduction. Let's go to the text and hear the word of the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh, And Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. Thou shalt speak all that I command thee. And Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh that he send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth mine armies, and my people and the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth my hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Oh, and highlight verse 6. And Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded them, so did they. And Moses was fourscore years old, that's eighty, and Aaron fourscore and three years old, when they spake unto Pharaoh. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you, then thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents, but Aaron's rod. Swallowed up their rods. Can you say hallelujah with me today? Hallelujah and amen. The power of the truth. Four main points this morning. Beloved, number one, it takes the power of the truth to humble the pride of man. It takes the power of the truth, beloved. To humble the pride of man. That's, that's one of the hallmarks that you can almost always know, especially in, in biblical truth. If, if it is the truth, it almost always humbles the pride of man. Just think about that even with the doctrines of grace or the TULIP uh, that we use to help uh, define those doctrines. The very first one is total depravity. Oh, how humbling to man Man wants to believe there's some spark of goodness in him. Man wants to believe that he's born innocent. And that there's some innate, that he has this clean slate, this tabula rosa before God. But the truth is, is that man is depraved. The truth is that that we are conceived in sin and born in iniquity. And as soon as we are born, we come out speaking lies. And that there is none good, no, not one. That there is none righteous, no, not one. The truth is, is that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that truth stings and humbles the pride of man. Man wants to say no that's not, that's not right about me. No, it's, it's everybody else's fault. That, that, that I am the way that I am. It's, it's my parents' fault. It's, 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 uh, it's society's fault. No, the fault is, is that man in his own nature is corrupt from head to toe. And beloved, that's just a cold, hard truth. And we see it. We see it in the story of Exodus. How ugly man's heart how ugly sin can be but the power of the truth beloved is always going to humble the pride of man let's go to the book of first corinthians where the apostle paul speaks to some of these oh, wonderful truths that we're setting forth this morning first corinthians chapter one have you turned there you know, the Greeks the Greeks were just known for their wisdom. They can all considered themselves to be so wise, you know, the descendants of Socrates and and Plato and and Aristotle, these that were so zealous in their love of the gods, even so much that they would make a statue to an unknown God, just in case they had forgotten one. And the Jews. And the Jews thought that they were so wise because they indeed did have the oracles of God. I was thinking as we sang that song, Break Thou the Bread of Life. What Jesus said to the people of His day. He said, Search the Scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. But they are only they which testify of me. Hear the Apostle Paul to the world in which he lived. He cries out and he says in verse 20, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where's the Greek? Where's the Jew? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Beloved, can you receive the truth of that this morning? Because the truth of God says that this world was created by God in six days and it was good. The truth says that man was created in the image of God. What do you know what the wise and the scribe of this world says in our day? It says it all happened by chance. It says there was a big bang. And it evolved over billions and billions of years. And man climbed out of the primordial ooze. And that we descend, we who have written books and can do trigonometry and can put men on the moon and build computers, that we descend from monkeys. <laughs> Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? See, that's what the truth does. The truth is always going to expose a lie because in the truth is light and every lie and error comes from darkness and it and it reproves it and so he says let's continue on down in verse 27 but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. I just want to stop right there. That's so amazing, isn't it? God took fishermen and ordinary men, Jesus did, to be His disciples, to be the leaders of of His kingdom, of His church, and to turn the world upside down. I still can't get over that. He took a slave girl that was orphaned In in the time of the Assyrians, Esther made her queen and and saved the people of God. Here he takes Aaron and Moses, these these two slaves, these two brickmakers, and uses them incredibly. And this weak nation of slaves overcomes the most powerful nation of the world at that time. You see, there was a man in our story. That is going to be humbled. There's one thing that God hates more than anything else. It's not greed. It's not lust. It's pride. It's pride. And God is looking down from heaven at this hard-hearted Pharaoh. And God's purpose and God's will is, I'm going to use the truth. To humble this man. I'm going to use that that the world thinks is weak. That that the world that thinks is foolish. And I'm going to confound the things which are mighty. Back in 1 Corinthians verse 28. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen yea and the things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Why? What is the purpose of all that truth? That no flesh should glory in His presence. Hallelujah. Moses isn't going to glory. Aaron's not going to glory. Miriam's not going to glory. Oh, but remember what the Scripture says. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his strength. Let not the rich man glory. Glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth, glory in this, that he feareth, and that he knoweth me. Do you rejoice in the truth today? The truth that is humbling us. That ever humbles us, that ever humbles the pride of man that humbled this hard-hearted Pharaoh. Now he's not humbled yet in our story, is he? But there the truth is, and the power of the truth, and it's continuing to confront him and god is is going to move and, and put his strength with his truth over the course of the next couple of chapters and I just want you to go not to not to be a spoiler alert in the story, but just go with me to Exodus chapter twelve because I want you to see the power of the truth of God that that the power of the truth came to Pharaoh and he said, you're going to let these people go and you're going to send them out and they're going to take all the treasures of Egypt with me that they're my people that they don't belong to you and I'm going to deliver them out of your hand. Right? Exodus chapter 12. Look with me. Verse 31. Remember how that all the times before we hear Moses And Aaron going and seeking audience with Pharaoh, right? But look who's doing the calling now, right? Remember who's doing the calling now? Verse 31, we're talking about Pharaoh of of Exodus 12. And he called for who? For Moses and Aaron. This was after the death angel. That last great plague and sign and wonder had come through, and the power of the truth of that, right, had hit his hard heart, and he was humbled. He was finally humbled. You know, I think I remember Sodom Hussein. You remember him, Brother Kevin? How that he said that he was going to destroy all the armies uh, before him. He was so rich. He was so pious. And I remember the day that they found him. Hiding in that hole with his little bag of money. That man was humbled down. That that man, that tyrant, that proud hearted dictator is with us no more. Osama Bin Laden is with us no more. Stalin and Lenin and Hitler and all these men that promoted error in the world and violence with it. They are no more. And the power of the truth prevailed over them as it prevailed over Pharaoh. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both you and the children of Israel. And go and serve the Lord, as ye have said. Also take your flocks and your herds, as ye have said, and be gone. And listen to what he cries. Highlight that. Highlight these four words and never forget them. And bless me also. And bless me also. What did God tell him in Exodus chapter 7, verse 1? He said, Behold, I have made you as a God. Unto prayer. Who do you ask to bless you? God. And Moses was God's representative. And Aaron was his prophet. And he says, and bless me. Oh, the power of the truth is always going to humble the pride of man. God hardens and softens hearts of individuals and nations. And he uses his truth to do this. And the power of his truth. They go to Moses. Moses and then they go to Pharaoh. They, and, and God says. See I have made thee a God to Pharaoh. And Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. And thou shalt speak all that I command thee. And Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh. That he send the children of Israel out of his land. But listen to what God says. Listen to the power of the truth. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. God had a purpose in what he was doing. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you. Not yet. Why? That I may lay my hand upon Egypt. Egypt. Payday had come for Egypt. All the evil that they had done. Upon the people of God for 400 years. God was going to retribute to them. As a matter of fact the first plague the first great sign and wonder that is going to take place is that that, this same rod that became a serpent and devoured the other rods is going to be placed into the Nile and the Nile that was as a god to Egypt the Nile in which they had thrown the Hebrew children in and made them sweat and bleed in now it was going to be turned into blood itself right and God is going to use His truth not only to humble the heart of a man, but also to humble the heart of a nation. Do you know what, what, what we need to pray for in regards to our own country again? Is that God would humble us, that we are willing and ready to be under Him. We need to be a nation under God. And all that it takes for us to be a nation That is under God is to to delight for God to be over us. But Pharaoh did not delight in this. His heart was hard. His heart was full of pride as is the heart of every man outside of the grace of God. But the truth, one of the hallmarks of the truth, and this is why they ridicule it so much. This is why they widely oppose it so much is because it is humbling to the pride of man. The truth of God's sovereignty is so humbling, isn't it? The heart of the king is in the Lord's hand. So it says in Proverbs, The Lord can turneth it whithersoever he will. God can save you, or God cannot save you. Can you accept God's sovereignty? That God can say, I love Jacob, but I hate Esau. That's the humbling power of the truth. Even if we get by total depravity, Right? And so we say, Well, what about election, Brother Nathan? Surely we can take pride in, in our election. I mean, by the, after all, God chose us. But why did He choose us? It was unconditional election. This even unconditional election humbles the pride of man because God elected His people not because of anything in, in them. As a matter of fact, Him His choosing us is an opposite reaction of everything that he would have seen in us because everything that he would have seen in us would have turned his stomach sick to turn away from us and never choose us. Oh, how humbling is the sovereignty of God that God can choose to give as many to Christ as whom he wants and the left to leave in their sins and to reprobate. To only give to Christ a definite number. And for Christ to only redeem those. It's so humbling to the pride of man. Man can't receive that truth. And then the irresistible grace of God. How humbling it is that we can't come to God on our own. We can't born ourselves again. We can't get ourselves saved. Only God can. By His irresistible grace in our lives. By sending His Spirit within us. And regenerating us. And giving us new life and then calling us to Himself. Only God can do it. And when God does it, no man can resist it. And no man can stay His hand or say to Him, What doest thou? Who in here chose how tall that they were going to be? What color hair that they were going to have? Who in here chose what family that they were going to be born into or what country that they were going to be born into? None of us chose any of that. God sovereignly chose all of that for us. Oh, how humbling that it is. Every one of us could be huddled up in those bunkers in Ukraine today. Oh, how humbling is the truth of God to our hearts. And then you would think, after, you know, God saving us from our depraved condition after choosing us and placing us in Christ in that unconditional election, after Him atoning for us on the cross and removing our sins as far as the East from the West, and then irresistibly giving us His Spirit and making us a new creature in Christ, you would think that that all would be enough and we could, we could keep it and, and then we could do all the rest ourselves. But no, oh, the humbling truth is as much as we needed all the first four We need the last one just as much because our perseverance is is by His power, by His strength. Him working in us the will and to do of His good pleasure. Our perseverance is that that is kept by the power of God so that all of it, salvation from first to last, from the first step of redemption to the last step of redemption, all glory has to go to God. And that's what the truth does. And that's why it humbles the pride of man. And why there are so many that can't get themselves low enough to just say, Lord, it's true. I don't merit the blood of Christ. There is no good thing in me. If I would be saved, Lord, it would have to be by Your grace, by Christ's blood. By Christ's merit. And through what you have done. Oh beloved. But if you can receive that truth. If you can believe that truth. And you can understand that truth. Then you're, pro- you're finally free. Because Jesus said. You'll know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. It's the truth that's going to set the Israelites free. From the hand of Pharaoh. Pharaoh and from the land of Egypt. So let us live the truth, let us speak the truth, and let us see the truth's power prevail in our lives. So the first thing the power of the truth does, and we see it here, God's going to use it to humble the pride of man. The second great thing that we see in the power of the truth is that the power of the truth always exalts the glory of God. Whenever you're discussing doctrine or you're discussing truths out of the Bible with someone else, two of the great things to, to have in mind is that what we are proclaiming does it humble the pride of man and also does it exalt the glory of God? That's why we love the doctrines of grace so much. Because as it does one, it also does the other. You see... God is telling Moses and Aaron, you keep going to this hard-hearted Pharaoh. Yes, his heart is hard. I've hardened his heart sovereignly for purposes that you can't understand that belong to God alone. None of us know all the mysteries of our lives or the ends or out of it. But I tell you, you can trust God that He's doing all things for your good and for His glory. If He humbles you along the way, praise be to His name. Who in here doesn't need a little humbling Who in here doesn't need a lot of humbling? Me, the most of all. Oh, how God has humbled me in my life so many times. And how much I needed it. And how much I praise Him for it. The truth is always going to exalt the glory of God. God says, Pharaoh is not going to hearken to you, verse 4 in our text, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth mine armies. All these things are going to glorify God. And my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt, by great judgments. And listen to verse 5. Highlight it in your heart. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. There's the glory of God. The truth is going to promote that. The truth is going to see not only that the children of Israel know who Jehovah really is, but also even an unbelieving world and nation is going to know who Jehovah is. And see it. And admit it. Brother Kevin prayed about old, Nebi, old Nebuchadnezzar. How he said, you know, he said, Look at this great Babylon that I have built. And God said, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you. I'm going to make you be like a like a beast. And you, your, 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 your fingernails are going to grow out and you're going to eat grass like a cow. And it happened and, and God used the truth to humble Nebuchadnezzar. And finally, when he came to his senses... He glorifies God and said, He's the true, He's only true and, and living God. Turn with me to the book of Daniel chapter 2, where that wonderful story is recorded for us. Now remember when we are reading the things in the book of Exodus that have been recorded. We're talking about things that happened thousands and thousands of years ago before we were born but it was recorded by eyewitnesses that were there Aaron and Moses were real men real people and they were there and they really threw down a rod and it really became a snake and then those magicians also threw down their rods and they really became a snake and Aaron's rod really swallowed up their rod all these things that happen are true and therein lies the power of them Here in Daniel chapter 2, look at this. In verse 47, Oh, let's go back to 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a what? Of a what? Say it loud to me, church, of a what? Of a truth. Of a truth. It is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. Hallelujah. That not only is God using the truth to humble the pride of man, but God is also using the truth to promote the glory of God. Of God, The Egyptians were going to understand the reality of the true God. Now the truth also is always going to separate God's people from the world, but it's going to also unite the church of God together. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? We see that in our passage. As God is, is telling them to go to Pharaoh and He said, Look, I'm going to separate my people. I'm going to separate them and bring them out of the land of Egypt. I'm going to bring them out of the world and they're going to be a special people unto me. But I'm going to use the truth that I've given unto you tonight unite all these tribes together to fear and adore my name and to glorify me in the world. I'm going to use you to be a witness and a declaration to all the nations around of who the Lord truly is. I'll let that speak to your heart. The truth of God's glory. Beloved it can change lives and minds. The truth of God's glory can change lives and minds. If the truth of God has not changed you. You don't know the truth of God. The truth of God and of His glory. It changes. People say, it's even changed People in the land of Egypt. Go with me uh, to chapter 9. This is in the middle of the plagues. This will kind of give you a sneak peek into further messages. In uh, Exodus chapter 9 and verse 20, look at what it says. He that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Moses. Oh no, it doesn't say that, doesn't it? He that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Aaron. No. He that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of who? Of Pharaoh. Of Pharaoh. What does this tell you began to happen during God's signs and wonders and and when the power of the truth began to really hit that nation? It began to change people's minds. It began to open up people's ears. And people, instead of fearing Pharaoh... And the gods of Egypt, people began to fear God. God said, hey, I'm fixing to send fire out of heaven. It's going to devour all your cattle. The people in Egypt who feared the Lord, the the servants of Pharaoh who feared the word of the Lord, they brought all their cattle and people inside the house. And they were saved. Mm. It's amazing. It's amazing when people began to see the effects of the power of the truth how it changes lives how it changes minds look in uh, chapter 12 uh, again here uh exactly uh what we're talking about about how pharaoh was humbled listen to what it says here this is an amazing thing i don't know if you've ever considered this Beginning in verse 37, And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about six hundred thousand on foot, that were men beside children. And a mixed multitude went up also with them, and flocks and herds, even very much cattle. I don't know if you understand the biblical language there of what it means when it was it says a mixed multitude. Beloved, what that means is a lot of the Egyptians went with them. A lot of the Egyptians became believers in Jehovah God. You know, we shouldn't be surprised. You, we read the same thing in the New Testament, don't we? About the priest. Those that There were some of those that had so violently opposed Jesus and the apostles, but then it says, we read, and many of the priests became what? Obedient to the faith. Right? And so this is amazing how God's sovereign grace is giving God all the glory through this great story of redemption. It's humbling the pride of man. It is changing and transforming people's lives. And it's bringing God all the glory and praise not only from individuals, not only believers, but from all the world. Oh, the power of the truth. Oh, the power of the truth. May you pray. May it be your prayer today Lord help me to buy the truth and to sell it not help me to know the truth and the truth will set me free help me to believe no lie in my life let God be true in every man a liar help me know the power of the truth in my life may it humble me and may it transform me and and may you use me to bring glory to your name as I live the truth as I speak the truth in love and I see the power of the truth going forward, he said in our, back in our text in seven, he said the Egyptians are going to know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth my hand upon Egypt and bring out. That's what we said. The children, the 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 uh, the truth is going to separate the people of God from the people of the world, and I bring out the children of Israel from among them. But it also is going to unite the people of God. To fear and follow the Lord together. And even some of those that were Egyptians. Are going to come out and follow the Lord as well. Hallelujah. May we see the same powerful display. In our own day. Oh beloved. I ask you. Would you not. Love to see every chair here filled. With a soul. Whose life has been transformed. By the truth of God. You know, God can do that. And God can use us also in our lives as instruments. But all the glory will be to Him. There will be a lot of humbling of the pride of man to take that place. But if we desire that, what we must desire it for is for the glory of God. Thirdly, the power of the truth can transform the ordinary. The power of the truth can transform the ordinary. Who were Moses and Aaron? They they were nobodies. They were the sons of slaves. Now we know the story of Moses. Uh, It's it's a little bit different, but that was 40 years prior. Everybody had forgotten about him, and he had disgraced himself even. He probably was even a, a worse reputation now than he had before he left Egypt. But how they are transformed. This these ordinary men. What, what's that book, Brother uh, Andy, about the disciples? Twelve ordinary men who did extraordinary things. All of us in here, not to put anybody down, we're just all ordinary people. But one of the things that makes us extraordinary is that we know and believe and hold to the truth of God. To the truth of God. And the truth of God can transform the ordinary into something extraordinary. Now, Moses and Aaron, like we said, they were eighty and and eighty-three years old, but we see in them now an extraordinary obedience to God. And that's what the truth does, as it transforms us, it causes us and drives us to want to obey God more and more. To wholly follow the Lord. To Lord, to believe, Lord, everything that you say is true. Let me follow it. Let me proclaim it. Let me live it. In this chapter, in chapter 7, I just want you to turn your eyes very quickly. Verse 6, verse 10, verse 20. Verse 6, verse 10, verse 20. What does it say about Moses and Aaron? There had been so much excuse makers. That had been so trembling about their faults and failures, it says simply that they just did exactly what God commanded them to do. That's the transforming power of the truth. This simple rod, this simple rod, this simple staff that Aaron has becomes a miracle working instrument. Beloved, I counsel you again today, By the truth, sell it not, and be transformed by its power forever. We even think about this even in the life of our blessed Lord and Prince and Savior. The true Redeemer, the true man of God's right hand. Let's turn quickly in the Gospel of Matthew as we see the humble beginnings of Christ. Moses and Aaron came from humble beginnings. You and I come from humble beginnings. And so it is with the blessed Lord Jesus Christ. But look how the power of the truth as He lived it, as no one ever had before. As He spoke it, as no one ever had before. Look at the transforming power that came forth from it and the witness that it made in the world Matthew chapter 13. Look here, beloved. This is amazing. Beginning in verse 53. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, He departed thence. And when He was coming to His own country, He taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were what? They were astonished. They were astonished. And said... Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? You could put in there, Whence whence does this man have all this mighty truth? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Whence then? Hath this man all these things? Jesus had the power of the truth. Yes, Moses indeed brought the law. Amen? But grace and what came by Jesus Christ? Truth. Moses could only show the way. Right? He said, Beloved, there's the way. There's the way out. I encourage you to go in and take it. Jesus said, I am the way. Moses came down from the mount with the Ten Commandments carved in stone and said, This, this is... God's revealed truth to you about the way that you should live and the holy character of God. And it stayed inside the Ark of the Covenant with Aaron's rod that budded later on in the story. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the truth. Moses could say hey there's there's life in the uh, truth of God there's 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 life to be had in obeying God and following God and keeping God's commandment and uh, observing uh, the sacrifices that God uh, has set forth for us to do and there's salvation and and redemption in those things for believers But Jesus said, I am the life. I am the truth, the way, and the life. Oh, the truth has the power to transform the ordinary. And then lastly, oh, and I love this one. (laughs) I love this one. Because this is what I really see in the snake battle, in the rod battle we have here. I don't know if it's called the the Battle of the Snakes or the Battle of the Rods. I guess it would be the Battle of the Snake Rods. (laughs) But this is uh, is interesting, isn't it? This whole thing. What is God teaching us? What is God showing us? He says, now, I'm going to send you back into Pharaoh. And when you go into Pharaoh, Pharaoh's going to ask you for a miracle. And you're going to tell Aaron... To throw down his rod and his rod is be- going to become a serpent. Now that's not a shock to us, is it? That's not a shock to us because when God called Moses at the burning bush and he gave him three signs, right? Three signs. The blood, the leprosy, and the what? And the rod, Right? So it's not a surprise to us. And so they go in because this is the fourth point. The power is the power of the truth to overcome all counterfeits. The power of the truth will overcome all counterfeits. So Moses lays down his rod and becomes a serpent. This does not impress Pharaoh in the least. Because he has his magicians, he has his sorcerers, and through black art and through the power of the devil, yes, the devil's real. The devil has power. And he can give power to those who follow him. If God allows. And God allowed this. God allowed them through the power of dark arts and of the power of the evil one to also throw down their rods and become serpents as well. So he could say, So what? You have power, or we have power too. You have truth, you have your truth, but we also have our truth. And my truth is, as good as your truth, stalemate, right? Wrong! Wrong! Because what happened at the end of snake battle, rod snake battle is, Aaron's rod, hallelujah, what? It devoured their rod. My granddaddy told told me an important thing when I was young about counterfeit. About counterfeit money. You know, because that's what they do. Uh, Thieves, they'll try to get our money and make it as close to our money as they possibly can so they can pass it off as real money. But it's called what? Counterfeit. Well, so has Satan and his followers in opposition to the truth has tried to devise cunningly all other things that are very near and close to the truth, but it's not the truth. Error often comes dressed in the garment of truth. But Granddaddy taught me this about counterfeit. He said when they train a bank teller as the money comes through their hand to recognize a counterfeit, he said, this is how they train them. First, he said, how they don't train them. He said, they don't show them magazines and books full of all different kind of counterfeits and say, hey, this is what a counterfeit looks like. He says, but what they make them do is they make them study the real thing until they know that real money so well, so intricately, so purely that any time anything passes across their hand that isn't the real thing, they automatically know it. And the truth devours the counterfeit. So, beloved, here is the battle that is being waged. It's not just a battle between Moses and Pharaoh. It's not a battle between... Their rods and, and the Egyptians' rods. Beloved, do you not see here in this conflict, on this floor of Pharaoh's palace, the very battle between God and the devil, between light and darkness, between good and evil. And what I want to rejoice your heart today is that Aaron's rod swallowed up there. And the truth is going to endure forever. We must constantly be aligning our hearts with truth. With truth. Ephesians chapter 4 as we begin to close. Oh, I, I hope that in your heart today, if you know the truth, it should be no sense of pride in our hearts. Well, I'm just smarter than everybody else. I, I, just, I, can just, I just know how to figure it all out. Oh, no. The only way you can know the truth is by God's grace, He reveals it to you and He removes the pride that prevents truth from coming in and, and illuminating and enlightening your life and your mind and your life here in Ephesians. Look with me here in chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Here's your counterfeits. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking... The truth in love may grow up into Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Beloved, as we close the Word of God today, the truth of God. Do you agree with me? That herein is truth. Herein is the truth revealed. Oh, how we ought to pack this Bible in our heart. How, how we ought to want to hear it read, to read it ourselves, to study it, to memorize it. Wild horses shouldn't be able to keep us away from when it is open and it explained. For therein is the truth of God revealed and faith to faith. Herein we read that Aaron's rod prevailed. Herein we read. That God's truth will always prevail. And beloved, I encourage your heart today. If Aaron's rod prevailed, if God's truth always prevail, if we stand there, we also shall prevail. May the Lord bless you and keep you as our prayer.